Radio you can touch. That can only mean one thing. This is the Bob and Jeff Show. You, you seem to know all the players in this poorly acted farce. What do they call that one? Bob Lutz. I've known you your entire life. There's no one who knows less about football. Jeff Lutz. I think every bowl game from now on should be named after something you can put in a bowl. Like raisins, orange bowl's fine, sugar bowl's okay, but no tax slayer bowl. You can't put that in a bowl. You can envision a bowl of raisins. Call yourself a man. I wait for you. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Hello again, everybody. It is the Bob and Jeff Show, a Wednesday edition. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz, co-hosting, Max Power, producing and engineering. 869-1240 is the phone number. Uh, we got a busy show today. Uh, not Taylor Eldridge. That was yesterday. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star will be with us at 225. We'll uh, talk about the Super Bowl, of course. And Jalen Thompson, also from the Star, uh, we'll talk to him about the Kansas City Royals. Mike Furches will join us in hour number two. We'll talk some pop culture. Uh, let's see what's up in Jeff Lutz's world today. Anything? Not a whole lot. Just uh, plugging along. Getting ready d- for a very busy end of the week. And, uh, you know, it's going to turn out well, I'm sure. We were going to. I was thinking about the whole busy concept, the idea of busy. Yeah, I know. I, but it's the only and word I could think of. I know. But. Active into the week. If you have a job and you're not busy, I wonder why you have that job. Well, some does days that, are busier make, than others. No, you know I understand the news that, but, but you know what I mean. I'm not picking on you. I'm talking about this as a whole. I try to shy away from saying I'm busy. I usually don't either, but the week itself is involved and busy and active and things are happening and things are going on and I'll be in the middle of them and I leave we'll that see. for my wife. She'll I, we'll talk I'll talk about that stuff uh with her and it's been an eventful two weeks, I'll just say that. How so? I'm just well, a lot going on. I'm just kidding. And uh so and then I get an email. Let's hear it. I I don't know. I do I I don't want to call I don't want to call people out. But you know, we search for practice facilities, and the city of Wichita rents us facilities for a nominal sum, and we appreciate that. They cut their price way down, uh, but with 46 teams, you got to have places to practice. Right. So I reached out to the school district, and they have to have a person from the school district on site for their for any practices that would would occur on a school field. A facility. Okay. Now, I ask about your alma mater, North High. I live in that district. You went to school there. I sure did. There are a ton of League 42 kids who play baseball at North. Uh, and, the, and the person I'm dealing with is a fine person. They're, it's not a, nothing against this person. It's just, come on. Come on. I mean, come on. You know what well, I mean. Rules are rules, man. I don't know what you the, know what I mean. Not necessarily because I don't know the situation. I but mean, people can't. You know, people got to follow the rules. But this didn't used to be a rule. We used to practice on USD two five nine facilities uh, f- several years ago. I think you were involved in some of those over at. Were you? I don't West remember. High? No, at East High. Oh yeah. Well, we also practice at West, our summer team. Well, that was a long time ago, yeah, and I, I don't think we ask any permission. 
Right, we knew people. We just sh- no, we just showed up. That was nice. And you can do that. And what are they going to do? Now they got some of these fields locked up. I get it. But anyway, it just hit me the wrong way. Well, can you sign a waiver or something? That well, uh, we did. We did sign a waiver. I don't know. Then it's been denied. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Sixteen players at North High last year. Interesting. I don't know what to do. Uh, sometimes I run into a dead end. What do you do there? Well, we all run into dead ends occasionally. I guess you just say. We, we turn around. We try to find another route. Yeah, we'll find another route. But uh, we shouldn't have to find another route. We have kids, 96% of them. I'll just make up a number. That high. Uh, attend schools here in Wichita for the public school. Right. Now, I don't know. Am I saying? Am I sounding like, well, this guy wants favoritism? Is that what I sound Slightly, like? Slightly, but I don't know the situation, so I can't evaluate it completely fairly. I but don't want to be a guy that asks for. But favoritism. if you're trying to sign a waiver and and go through the process, and the process that you went through was not uh, favorable to you, then yeah, I can see some uh, some upsetness, whatever that word is. <sighs> anyway. Things like that throw me for a loop. And I got it a minute before we went on the air. Well, that's going to bother you. Uh, how am I supposed to regroup? Tell me. You just do this show. and then. Well, I'm trying to do this and show. And then time away from that will allow you maybe to see it more clearly, have another plan that you can put into action. It's like I don't want to be seen as unreasonable. I don't want to be seen as, oh, this guy thinks he deserves anything. There are rules here. We're, we're not going to bend them for this who is this guy i don't want to be that guy you understand right it, it i can't stand that guy and i fear that i'm being that guy well they're also and I, you're a terrible judge of that so eight six nine twelve forty i'm not a terrible judge of that i don't know what's going on but i also know that on the other side there has to be a little bit of common sense like what's really gonna what really could happen here that is bad or anything like that so uh, I, I they need a 259 personnel at the facility. Um, I mean, I got four adult coaches. Is that Does that not – you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I got you. four adult coaches that, that coach this team that can probably take care of the situation. You would think, yes. Anyway. I don't know. It seems like it could be resolved – with uh, some kind of collateral or security deposit or something like that. I don't know. It just, seem, it just seems like there's a way around practicing on these fields. But, again, I don't know the whole situation. So I don't necessarily know what their hang-up the is. The district w- requires that a staff member is on duty always when community groups are using any Wichita public school facilities. While they are aware and do appreciate that League 42 has so many alumni attending North, the school does not feel they can provide staffing to cover six hours. Uh, I really don't need six hours. I put that down. But what I need is two hours. Why would you put a, six? A, because if I wanted to use, uh, use them for more, I, I put the maximum. Okay. Uh I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. I can't stand bureaucracy and it's it's everywhere correct and instead of diminishing bureaucracy 
which we should be doing as a society, uh, to make life better and easier for our, our public, our citizens, it's that we add more layers of it. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like you said, common sense would lead you to think, okay, League 42 is a nonprofit, a reputable nonprofit. They've got adult coaches and mentors. Uh, I'm going to have some uh, uh, person from North well, High overseeing. I mean, it's and again, I don't know who wrote this email. I don't want to. You don't on, need to know. But here, here's another thing that uh, would irritate me. The formality of that email. Oh, well, we are aware. And I hate that stuff, too, that corporate speak that everyone wants to use. You know, you could say, you know, I know this is a, a, a crappy situation. I think it's ridiculous, too. But unfortunately, uh, we have to do that. We really appreciate you wanting to, you know, we could we could use some kind of cushion there instead of while we are aware and uh, we are made available. And I just don't like that either. Just speak like a human. I've dealt with this person many times. It's the person is fine. I'm not even going to identify gender. Uh, had cordial conversations. They've been helpful in the past, uh, but on this one, it, it uh, it's irritating. Well, try to uh, remember got, the positive interactions. I'm trying to remember the positive interactions, but we also have uh, USD 259 personnel on our board, on our education committee. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Well, I hear you. Come on. <laughs> Do they not want to go I'm, staff this this practice? Now I'm sounding entitled. I feel it. I don't want to sound entitled. I am walking fine lines. Well, it's tough. It is tough. So I wonder what people think of my diatribe right now. I don't know. I think you're on the fence. Well, I have to be because well, I don't know all the details. I just gave you most of the and details. And it would be unfair to judge. Well, I know a lot of them, but I don't know all of them. It is unfair to judge, except I'm judging. I, uh, I put my two cents in where I thought they were warranted, and otherwise I'm taking a neutral stance. Well, I don't like a neutral stance. Oh, it's I, Again, I, say I gave some opinions. Neutrality is as irritating as bureaucracy. You think so? Yes. To me. Uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. The Super Bowl is coming up Sunday. What What are your plans? I'll be working. You'll be working on the Super Bowl? Yeah, the Chiefs are playing in it. I didn't even get to volunteer. The first time I volunteered, right, uh, to do social media and digital, our website and stuff like that, and then I believe I volunteered again for the AFC championship game. This time, I was volunteered. Is it all hands on deck? Uh, no, I'm the only web person. But I've done such a good job. Oh, boy. Here we go again. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a terrible look. You should have seen last no, no, time. My wife, my wife was the same way because I was tooting my own horn. But somebody has to. No. And it was over something different. You don't toot your own horn. I think you should. When, no, you shouldn't. When you've been on a run like I have no, been lately. No, you shouldn't. And it might come crashing down. You shouldn't. I think you should. You're, there's, there's modesty. There's, uh, you're, supposed, you're supposed to do good work. I know, but I'm doing I mean, above and beyond. No, you're not doing above and beyond. Yes, you're I doing am. your job. I'm doing more than my job. My job is to, do, to uh, 
enhance and make the digital product as as good as it can be. Right, and that's what you're doing. My job is not to set up interviews with uh, people with... You took that on yourself. Right, that's above and and beyond. But you don't. Is that not initiative? You don't brag about it. Oh, I'm gonna. No, you, I'm you can't. I hate it. With myself. No, I really hate it. Well, you can hate it, but you better learn to love it because it's not going How anywhere. How insecure are you? I'm not insecure. Because that is the sign, the ultimate sign of insecurity. I disagree. Your wife agrees with me. No, I don't think she thought I was being insecure. I think she just thought I was over the top. We all do our jobs. And... The, if people want to point out, but I'm that just we're, giving you seven instances. If people want to point out that we're doing a good job, great. Of going we, above, we enjoy that. I mean, but why? Why do I need to not? Because uh, it's a bad look. But what's the bad look? It's just a bad look. But I tell was me ways why. to work hard and uh, not expect. Okay, praise but and just you know work hard, do your job, do it as well as you can. And rest in comfort that uh, that's good enough. And not to, oh, did you see what I did yesterday? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you and what I did yesterday. First of all, yesterday. the word I is, 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 I shouldn't. Well, here's what me did. No, I'm serious. It should not be, you should not do that. That's how I feel. Okay, but when you work your butt off. Who cares? Off hours. No one cares. I care. Then do it, but don't expect. Can I tell you what I did? No, I don't want to know. I honestly don't, because I enjoy hearing the, the successes you have, but not in this context. Really? It's not enjoyable. No, me. that's too bad. Well, no, I'm I'm being. Why honest. do you get to tell me about why, your why, successes? I don't tell you. I don't brag about it. Of course you do. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you do. I don't brag about it. I tell you what happened. I don't say. Can I tell you what you, happened? No, I don't want to know. Ugh. Well, I honestly a, don't. Well, that's unfair. That's a double standard, then, it feels like. You've made it so that I'm less curious. Really? I tell you, I have I have things in life that, that trigger me. And that kind of, I don't know, I, that kind of ego-driven, look-at-me stuff it's not ego driven. drives me nuts. It's like, wow, I didn't know I was capable. It drives but me nuts. I, I am, so... You got to stop. Seriously. No, Why? really. Really. Why is this Because it's going to make you? me mad. Why? Because I don't like it. We are doing a radio show. It's okay. But I'm telling you how I feel, honestly. Okay. Now, this isn't a made-up thing. Well, that's how you I feel. Don't like, I don't like it when people brag. Fine. I don't. Okay. And you shouldn't And you either. don't like sports. It's a... Well, no, I don't sports like is it all about a, a drawing attention to yourself and bragging and no, going above and beyond. I don't see that that much. In, it happens in the, a lot. In the team I cover, uh, like, I don't see people going to their press conferences and talking about them and and how they, me, I. No, I don't. Well, I think that's Patrick Mahomes isn't a me I guy. Well, he should be. No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Why are you I, so I upset? I raised you better than this. This is an indictment on me as a father. No, it's not. I'm 41 years old. Good grief. No, but it looks bad. And you don't believe me. You think it's cute. Somebody's probably texting you that, ah, you go right ahead. No one's texting me. You tell them how good. 
But I no, just don't see why it's a big deal. Nobody likes it. I can't it. be proud of myself. No, no one else is going to. You can be proud of yourself, but okay, you, well, you I don't am. need to flaunt it. I mean, my goodness. You need to relax. I'm serious, you're not. You're, you need to bring it down enough. No, I don't need to bring it down enough. You absolutely do, because it's just work, man. It's not like I'm saying I cured cancer. Uh, it's all relative for crying out loud. I did a, I mean, it's, uh, it's meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but it, it feels nice to do a good job. And, you know, I want to feel good. I I can't wait to hear what my wife says about this. Well, I wonder, I wonder it myself. Uh, I think she'll side with me. She's certainly not an I, me person. There's never been a moment. But uh, again, it's she'll tell so. tell me what was accomplished and that she had a hand in doing. And I tell you what, what, what was she, accomplished. And what she has done in her career has actually made a difference. A big difference in the lives of people. So for her to be as modest as she is about that and never, ever draw attention to herself, uh, that's, okay, what, well, I, who am that's I what I like. I'm not saying you're hurting. Okay. I, just think it's a, I just don't think it's a good character. Uh, well, if I'm not hurting issue. anyone... It's about then I think it's okay. Because I would never hurt anyone, as you probably know. I understand that. It's not about hurting people. So I think it's okay. Good. I disagree. I think it's good to get recognition and to be completely humbled and honest about it and to point out all the people who are there in the battle with you. I think people saying things are humbling when they get praise and... Uh, have done a good job. I don't usually believe those people. Well, you should because it's it's uh, completely true uh, for me. So anybody, and I get a lot of, hey, you're doing a great job. I, I hear it every day, okay, uh, because that's the nature of League 42. Uh, and I hear it a lot. And my stock answer to that is I appreciate that. It's It's taken a lot of people with a lot of buy-in who have, jumped on this train and want League 42 to be successful. And that's the absolute truth, 100%. All the people out there, the coaches, the volunteers, the board members, uh, the employees, the parents, I mean, that's who makes this thing successful. I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the executive director, but it's, it's a group effort. Exactly. And that's what I like to hear from people. I don't like the I, I, me thing. And that's just me. It's all good. It takes all kinds in this world, right? There are people who literally stand in a spotlight night after night and perform for others and would not be the same without the positive interaction and the feeling that it gives them and not being necessarily humbled by it, but using it as fuel to continue uh, you know, that we all look at things different ways. We all have different perspectives on it. Right? I suppose we will uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Start to get his thoughts on the Chiefs and the 49ers. Coming up Sunday from Las Vegas, Jesse Newell is next.
This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Jesse Newell joins us from the Kansas City Star in Las Vegas. Jesse, how are you? Doing great, guys. How about you? We're doing well. So uh, covering a Super Bowl in Vegas, thats uh, you're out there for a long time. How do you uh, discipline yourself to keep your eye on the ball, so to speak, and not uh, not go into those blackjack rooms? <laughs> yeah, it would, seem, uh, it would seem tough. I know that uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has already offered the rest of his team the ability to come back later if they win the Super Bowl. Like, don't party this week or do crazy things this week. You know, if you win the Super Bowl, he'll, he'll bring you back. You can have a good time and not worry about anything else. Uh, but, you know, honestly, guys, we're, uh, we're in an Airbnb here at the Star uh, down in Henderson. It's a little bit of ways away, and it's kind of a little bit closer to the team hotel. And so uh, we haven't made it down there too often other than to pick up our credentials, like the strip and all that stuff. But uh, it's, it's crazy, right, stories. It's crazy, crazy the media access you get. So a lot of this really, you know, I come to Vegas a lot, uh, you know, probably 20-plus times in my life. And, you know, you get excited, and there's so much to do, but this just feels like a different trip. And so it almost is shocking when you look up and you see the sphere or the strip or stratosphere or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm in Vegas. But, yeah, this week it's going to be mostly work, and uh, we'll see how the Chiefs fare and uh, potentially get a little bit more uh, other stuff done when the Chiefs play the Raiders again next season. Seems like, uh, and, may, and it may be just proximity because we here are, are closer to the Chiefs, uh, but it seems like the Chiefs are getting a lot of the talk uh, and most of the press and the publicity, but the 49ers are actually favored in this game, or at least they were the last time I checked yesterday. So how do you kind of uh, reconcile the, those two things? Are the 49ers kind of purposely staying under the radar, or is that just how uh, the coverage is going this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's natural for people to gravitate to the Chiefs right now, um, and they kind of embrace this villain role, but – They've sort of become whatever you want to call it. I know Vahe, uh, our columnist for the Star, wrote about the Chiefs' pursuit to be the world's team. You know, it used to be back when I was growing up in the 90s, it was the Dallas Cowboys. They were America's team, and it was Jerry Jones and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith. And the bottom line was either you loved the Cowboys or you hated the Cowboys, but everybody was talking about the Cowboys. And that's sort of what, to me, what the Chiefs have become. You know what I mean? Like, Travis Kelsey's on all the commercials. And if he's on the commercial, it's Patrick Mahomes on the commercial. If he's on the commercial, then... Andy Reid's getting his nuggies, you know what I mean? And so there is this kind of oversaturation of Chief stuff going on, and, and that's sort of the team that they've become. Uh, so it is an interesting dynamic where um, the Chiefs are kind of getting into the territory of what the Patriots were, where there, a lot of people hated the Patriots because they were good and because they were successful for a long period, and the Chiefs are starting to enter that realm. As far as the game goes and the, the line on this, uh, I thought it was an interesting article by Aaron Schott of ESPN. Uh, he, about a week ago, he talked about um, the DVOA measure that he has and kind of the advanced stats and how all of the previous 57 Super Bowl teams ranked, basically ranked all of them based off of how good that regular season and postseason were. And I looked at both of the numbers for the Chiefs and the 49ers. If the 49ers win the Super Bowl, they'll rank around 13th or so as far as Super Bowl winners of all time. And if the Chiefs win, they'd rank about 50th or so. Um, and that speaks to the regular season that both these teams had. The 49ers regular season was much better. And over the course of the year, they were a much better team than the Chiefs were. But the reason this line is so slim and the, and the reason that, you know, a lot of us think that maybe it's even the wrong direction is how the Chiefs have played lately, 
and the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes. And he has played three of his best games of the season in the last three games. Can he do it for a fourth time? It's really hard to bet against him at this point. So I think you look at that sort of thing, just big picture-wise, there's a reason why the 49ers are favored. Over the course of the season, they've proven to be the better team, but that doesn't mean much when you get to the Super Bowl and you're facing a quarterback as hot as he's ever been. And so that's the hope for the Chiefs. And if they're going to win this Super Bowl, it'll obviously be on the back of their quarterback, potentially the greatest quarterback we've ever seen play the position. And right now playing at the peak of his abilities, maybe better than we've ever seen him play before. Jesse Newell with us from the Kansas City Star Chiefs and 49ers coming up in the Super Bowl on Sunday. So you're in Las Vegas, the glitz and glamour capital of America. Uh, There's so many things you mentioned about why the Chiefs are so notable and we haven't even mentioned what I believe is the reason they're, they're this notable. The biggest reason is because of Travis Kelsey's relationship uh, with Taylor Swift. She's going to get on a plane and come from Tokyo uh, to make it in time for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, how much of the disdain for the Chiefs, even though it's hard for me to even fathom it, because they're a boyfriend and a girlfriend from everything I can tell, uh, how much of this uh, added notoriety do the Chiefs welcome? Do they welcome it? Do they wish it wasn't there? What's what's the overall attitude about the, about this from the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they absolutely welcome it. Obviously, the NFL does. And you guys probably saw a couple of days ago, Roger Goodell had his you know yearly press conference. And the most questions he got about any topic was Taylor Swift. I mean, the NFL is... is Loving this notoriety, it's, it's really fascinating. We were talking to Clark Hunt yesterday, chief team owner, and I asked him about, you know, the, the Taylor Swift effect, and he talked about he goes to places, and, you know, there's people that come up to him and say, hey, I, I was never really a football fan, but now my 8- and 10-year-old want to know, girl, you know, girls want to know when they're playing because maybe Taylor Swift will be there. Maybe we can watch this thing together. And so, I mean, for the NFL, for the Chiefs, it's brought a whole new level of, um, notoriety of attention uh, that they didn't have before. And, you know, I can speak to this. I mean, I thought that the Chiefs were a big deal around these parts. And then I see some of the traffic numbers that things do when we write about Taylor Swift. And it's a whole different dimension. I mean, I mean, she is on her own stratosphere compared to the NFL and the Chiefs. And, and we're talking about the NFL is pulling in 60 million viewers uh, in a 200 million or 300 million, you know, person country. Um, for their AFC championship games and, and going to be even probably double that coming up on the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of this year, I, I wouldn't have anticipated that Vandy Fair would come calling for an interview with Jesse Newell to see what his thoughts were for some sort of entertainment piece. But uh, that's sort of how this thing has landed. And so I think the Chiefs embrace it. Obviously, Travis has had to embrace it with all the media stuff going on. We talked to team president Mark Donovan earlier today, and he was pretty fascinating with his comments about how um, the Chiefs have always wanted to respect their relationship, but like not go overboard with it. Like it took them eight games before they showed her on the video board at Arrowhead. And they, this whole season, have never played a Taylor Swift song in a stadium, uh, not wanting to maybe drive additional attention that she would get that she otherwise wouldn't. So um, they've been, been very thoughtful with this. But I think the Chiefs are fully on board. But as you said, uh, for a certain portion of the country or population, um, they're going to equate that sort of attention and hearing about it with a negative sort of emotion. So um, the Chiefs are dealing with that. The NFL is dealing with some of that. But uh, the reality is the reality. And those two are dating, and uh, she is going to be front center in the Super Bowl, and you're right. It is going to be a reason the Chiefs get a lot more attention coming to the Super Bowl Sunday. 
I have to follow up on that, Jesse, because you talked about uh, getting the, the call from Vanity Fair. How much of an audible, uh, if at all, I don't know how many other people are necessarily covering the Taylor angle, but, I mean, it's not just that they're in a relationship. Now it's like the relationship itself, right? They're kissing on the field. Taylor's whispering sweet nothings. Travis said something like, I've never loved anyone more. And people eat this up, right? I, I know it's not just Taylor fans. They're football people, too. So do you feel a responsibility to uh, take us inside of that relationship in some ways? Yeah, it was it was weird early season to kind of figure out how to put your arms around it because – uh, I still, I'll always remember, we went to the Jets game and uh, in New York, you know, it's already, New York's a big deal. Like, there's other stuff going on in New York. And uh, we're in the press box and we're told Taylor could be walking by because that's where the owner's suite is. And, like, you know, what do we, it was still new. What, how do we cover this? But, like, are we supposed to take photos of her as she goes by? Like, are we paparazzi? Or are we supposed to report that she's there? Like, what? how do we deal with this thing? And then I mean, we were told, like, the New York Post had sent, a couple reporters of their entertainment reporters to the game, like not sports reporters. They sent entertainment reporters in case Taylor Swift showed up. And so, yeah, that is the sort of scale we're talking about here where, uh, you know, I can tell you from our traffic, people can say that they don't want to read it and it's, it's, they don't like it or whatever. And I can just tell you definitely from our traffic numbers that it's, it's not true. People do care about this stuff and uh, obviously uh, like to know what's going on. I mean, sort of a, an interesting subplot to this has been, or side story has been like every week she shows up wearing something different. And a lot of times that merchandise is clothing that is made in Kansas city at a shop that maybe is down the street from where you live, or maybe you drive by work every day. And, and that's somebody, you know, your neighbor. So uh, this has kind of taken a, a global phenomenon, global superstar and turned it into a very local angle to people in, in this part and in Kansas city. So uh, yeah, there has been some struggle to know how to deal with it. I know our Pete Gradoff people can actually, uh, floor below me right now, writing some stories up for the star and, and Lisa Gutierrez. They've done a great job of kind of remaining uh, sort of on that beat, if you will. But there's been a lot of attention and there has been sort of um, a time where we've kind of had to get our arms around exactly how to cover this thing. But uh, yeah, there's, we know there's attention and we know that the people are, care about these sorts of things. And there's lots of stories to tell about Taylor Swift, just as there are about the Chiefs. Uh, Jesse Newell with us from the Kansas City Star. Let's get to the game. Uh, what do the Chiefs have to do uh, to win, and what do the 49ers have to do to win? To me, Christian McCaffrey's a big key. I, I think uh, he could be a huge difference for San Francisco. That's not exactly thinking outside the box. But can the Chiefs uh, control him? Yeah, so I think you're on to something there uh, for sure, Bob. I mean, for one, you just start with this. The big advantage the Ravens had over the Chiefs is they could run the football and the Chiefs struggled to stop the run. And then what happened? The game got away from the Ravens and they panicked. You know what I mean? So you come into this game. What is the big advantage that the 49ers have over the Chiefs? The 49ers can run the football. The Chiefs struggled to stop the run. And, and this turns into a game like within a game. You remember the Super Bowl last year where there were so few possessions because the Eagles held the ball and they just kept running clock, and it felt like they had the ball forever in that game. And, and that's really where this could get away from the Chiefs. And so McCaffrey's a part of that. The other part I, I would mention to you guys is Steve Sagnello has been so good at blitzing this year. He brings it from all angles, from all positions. And there's a lot of different ways to beat the blitz, but one of those ways is basically just to dump it off to the, the guy that's come leaking out of the backfield. And we know McCaffrey's a playmaker, and that's why at certain times this year, you know, the Chiefs cornerbacks have been great, Legere Sneed, Trent McDuffie. You've gone on a lot of Jalen Watson, uh, Joshua Williams has stepped in and done real well. But 
you know, a lot of times you get the, the back out of the backfield and you've got a different type of player covering him. You know what I mean? Or he's coming, um, running into a blitz basically, and you've got some free space to work with. So I do think that's how McCaffrey can impact this game. I think the 49ers just cannot panic. Even if they get down, they have to stick to running the football because the Chiefs team has had struggles on purpose because they defend the pass so well. They've had struggles defending the run and getting enough big bodies in there to, to sort of keep teams at bay in that particular regard. And then offensively for the Chiefs, I mean, they're facing a really good defense, but it's just a matter of can Mahomes continue to play like he's been playing? I mean, he's had, if you look at pro football focus, no turnover-worthy plays in the playoffs. He's not put the ball in danger. He's made great decisions on third downs. He's scrambled when he's had to. But that's really been the big difference between the Chiefs offense now and a few weeks ago is they kept making huge mistakes a few weeks ago, and then they got the playoffs and completely have shut the turnovers off and have not made negative plays. So uh, for the Chiefs, you're relying on the home to be Superman again, but the last three weeks he's been Superman. So uh, uh, he's got to pack his cape and be ready, but if he plays a really good game, then you still have to like the Chiefs' chances. Man, will pull this one out just like they did a year ago when their quarterback played amazingly and then was even less healthy than he is right now. So I know Travis Kelsey is, is one of the obvious answers, but outside of him, who do you like kind of getting away from football a little bit in, the, in a setting like the Super Bowl? Obviously, it's, it's largely about football, but some of the media days, the funny questions are asked and people can uh, show their personality a little bit more. Who shines in that setting for the Chiefs? Yeah, the Chiefs have got some some good ones and some some characters to go. The great thing about like today in the media sessions is they make everybody available, like all the coaches, all the players. So you can kind of get a little bit more uh, in depth with certain players. You know, I, I talked with Joshua Williams working on a story about him today, and he's a great one, guys. He's got a great story, uh, a backstory. He came from a D two school, um, um, an HBCU at Fayetteville State a couple years ago, and uh, you know, four years ago, he's he's a guy that was. Uh, Fayetteville State did not play football in that COVID year when other teams were. And so for him to be able to make it through that, continue training on his own, and then four years later be in a second Super Bowl, uh, you know, really good again, really, really good personality. Justin Reed is a guy, super intelligent from Stanford, uh, speaks well uh, in these sorts of settings. And also it's kind of interesting. He was a college teammates with Christian McCaffrey. So he was telling us stories yesterday about how uh, back at Stanford they pitted offensive players against defensive players and like agility drills. And it's kind of like uh, you go at each other in certain drills and you get a point for each one you want. And he said that he went against McCaffrey and at the end they were tied. So they had one more drill to do. And Christian McCaffrey beat him in that. He said he's never let him let him down. But uh, that was the one player he couldn't beat in these uh, sort of team-based war drills when it came to Stanford. So uh, guys like that, I mean, and I mean, you have to mention Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is just, He's great in these settings. He's, he's personable. He's down to earth. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that the Chiefs not only got an, an all-timer in that, but a, a person who is up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and will win it one of these years because of what he does not only on the field but off the field as well. So they do have some good representatives um, when, when you have the microphones in front of them. And I think the other part you have to mention is they're used to it by now. I mean, this is not – a new thing for the Chiefs to be at a Super Bowl media day. They're very comfortable in their own skin here, and I think you're going to see that throughout the course of the rest of this week and as they prepare for the Super Bowl. If there's one advantage they do have, just like last week in the AFC Championship, they've been here before, and they're the team that understands these circumstances. So if there's something to be gleaned from that, the Chiefs definitely will. We always appreciate your time, especially a time where you could do be doing about 50 million better things. Thank you, Jesse, for coming on with us. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Got him stuck out in Henderson.
instead of uh, downtown Vegas or on the Strip. I'd ra- I'd probably rather be in Henderson. Yeah, myself. you'd get you'd get a kick out of Henderson. Uh, there you go. Despite my sto- earlier bragging. Story? What do you mean? What's your story that you've uh, worked on that you're excited to promote? Well, I'm, well, I'm doing two. Uh, tomorrow I will have. I've I've heard from probably at least forty. Uh, teachers and coaches and administrators who had the Chiefs players in high school. So I'm just going to do a compilation of what they said. That's not going to be anything of my original writing, but it's gonna, I'm going to have cool photos in there and oh, there you uh, go. stuff like that. And then on Friday, I hope nobody takes this idea. But, well, you uh, better save it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. All right. Here is Jalen Thompson from the Kansas City Star. We just had... Uh, your compadre, Jesse Newell, on. We're going to double dip the star. How are you, Jalen? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? You know, it's always great when you got the Kansas City Star on the radio. That means we're doing something good. <laughs> well, there you go. We appreciate you uh, coming on. So the Royals, not to be completely overwhelmed by what the Chiefs are doing right now, announced a, a long extension with Bobby Witt, uh, paying him a lot of money. For a lot of years, this is something that uh, obviously we have not seen the Royals do before. What do you think uh, made them do it this time? Well, I think it's all about the perfect time. And that's something that really resonated with me when we spoke to Bobby Wood Jr. at his press conference yesterday. He said it was just the perfect time seeing the moves that the Royals have made. He called it a sign of hope for the future. Um, as you guys know, the Royals committed over $100 million to several veteran free agents this year. Um, and, you know, at this point in time, it just seemed like they they wanted to keep Bobby Wood Jr. in a Royals uniform. Bobby wanted to stay here. And if you look at kind of how the contract is structured a little bit, there are flexibilities on Bobby's behalf going down that 14-year run. And then there's also the Royals. They're going to keep a star in town. So I think it just worked out for both sides. So begrudgingly, I have to admit that, that the Royals did have a great offseason. I happen to root for another team in the division. But is there a player with a higher ceiling? There's a lot of veterans who have had success but maybe don't feel like uh, all-stars or, or superstars. But is there a player that they've signed, one of the veterans, who you feel like might be able to, to get them to a different level who, who will have a really good season if, uh, if kind of the Royals do? Yeah, I think so. And I think the player that – I'm going to point to is Seth Lugo because he literally just started pitching full-time as a starter last year with the San Diego Padres, and he looked good at it. You know, early in his career, he was in a bullpen role. He started a couple of games, but then he really turned to a full starter. And now we're going into year two, and this year he'll be doing that with the Royals as a full starter. And we don't know, he might take the next step in that development, being out there every fifth day. So I think that's someone to watch really well this season. Talking uh, with Jalen Thompson from the Kansas City Star Royals beat writer. I'm looking at the Pakota standings. Now, you, you can take from these what you want, but they obviously put this, they, they have some algorithms and uh, things that they use to try to predict the future. Uh, the Royals, they uh, estimate, are right on that 70-win line. Would the Royals be happy with that? That would be a pretty good improvement over the 56 wins they had last year. Would that be enough to placate uh, the front office and maybe even the fan base? Or are expectations higher? 
Well, I think that the expectations, if you ask players, are higher. They want to win the American League Central. They want to be competitive. And I know Vinny Pasquantino, he's coming back from shoulder injury last year. He, he said it at World's Rally on Saturday. They want to win. And I think that that is the sentiment among all the players in the clubhouse. So that 70-win mark, while it would be an improvement from only winning 56 games last year, the Royals look like a team that they're they're hungry. And when you look at the American League Central, not a lot of teams have made significant moves to kind of move themselves up the food chain. Look at the Twins. You look at the Cleveland Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, and the Chicago White Sox. So the Royals can be in it, but they have to start fast. So Obviously, you know, none of the other young uh, Royals players, almost said Chiefs there, uh, have had the production that Bobby Witt has. But do you see, are there other extension candidates potentially for the Royals that uh, guys they want to lock up long term? Or are there guys maybe uh, this year that could play their way into the, those conversations perhaps next offseason? I think we have to look at the landscape of where the team is. Obviously, Bobby Witt Jr., what he did his first year, hitting 20 home runs and stealing 30 bases and then hitting 30 home runs and stealing 49 bases this past season, that kind of warranted uh, you, you might want to try to lock them up long-term and, you know, have them be a part of your future going forward. But with the other guys, they're just so young and they're just getting into their MLB career. So really you got to look at it as um, what can they, can they produce at that same level again than what they gave you last year and build upon it. Talking Royals with uh, Jalen Thompson from the Kansas City Star. I've read as much as I can about this contract for Bobby Wood. It seems like it's a pretty good deal for him, and obviously the Royals feel like it's a good deal for them as well. What I'm, what I'm curious about is when they get to the point where they're paying Bobby Witt $35 million a year, they obviously want to be in a new downtown ballpark. Uh, they think that will increase revenues. They want to have uh, their television deal completely figured out. Is, is there – you think John Sherman is going to be an owner who can build around a $35 million player and maybe add some other pieces that you're having to pay uh, $18 to $25 million a year? Because uh, that's what uh, – that seems to be what the contenders have to do. Yeah, and I think it looks – going back to just this offseason – I mean, if you ask a lot of fans and, and local media people around, it's almost like, did you see the Royals going out and spending over $100 million on several free agents that they that they got? They show the willingness to spend money. So I think when you get to that point of if there is a new stadium and Bobby is into that seven, eight, nine-year range of this new ascension where he's making $35 million, it, it, we don't know. We can never predict the future, but I can tell you that just looking at what they've done so far, there is a re really reason for them to want to win. And I think that um, John Sherman, he might look at that and, you know, maybe he does open the, the pocketbook a little bit more. But he's shown that he's willing to spend to put a good team on the field. So what are you looking towards at uh, spring training? What will you have your eye on? It seems like the moves the Royals made have kind of filled those holes. So is it just kind of about uh, staying healthy, getting healthy, or do you see maybe some position battles emerging? Well, I'm looking at a couple of things. One person I'm really looking at is 
Brady Singer because Brady Singer last year, he was the top of the rotation. Now he's got some guys that are going to be ahead of him in, in Cole Reagan, Seth Lugo, Michael Waka. This is going to be good for Brady Singer because he has to have a big year this year, you know. He could be going into some money in the upcoming year through arbitration. Um, he has to prove that he can be the guy. And let's see what he does with a full offseason after not having to go to the World Baseball Classic last year. If he can really settle into that role as a strong fourth middle of the rotation starter, that could really help the world take that next jump to the next level. Another person that I'm really looking at is the outfield. So MJ Melendez. Um, he's not going to be catching this year. He's going to be full-blown outfielder in left field. How does he take the next step and become the player that the world knows that he can be and what he's shown in first? You know, he has the power potential. What can he do to really help this offense? I think those are two players that I'm looking at the most. And I would throw Vinny Pasquantino in there because I'm very intrigued by what he can do with a fully healthy season. And then, you know, this is a guy that if if he's if he produces at the level I think he's capable of producing, then you gotta start thinking about extending him, don't you? Yeah, that that could be possible as well. I mean we look at Vinny's numbers last year. Before he got hurt, he was he already had, I believe, sixteen to seventeen doubles, nine home runs, twenty six RBIs, and the team that he left when he had got hurt and coming back to this year is a lot stronger and it could be a lot deeper. You you see Vinny Pasquantino being inserted in there, maybe behind him, Bobby Wood Jr. that back second in the lineup. And you have Hunter Renfro, you have Salvador Perez, you have Nelson Velasquez that have that power combination that can be hidden behind him. That means he's going to have to pitch to Vinny Pasquantino and, if he can get back to where he looked like with a fully healthy shoulder, I think you might be right. He could be the next one that may push for a chance at an ascension somewhere down the line. Is there any, has there been anything about uh, Zach Grinke? I know he had a pretty bad year last year. I think he's 40 now. I don't think he'd play for anyone besides Kansas City, but I also don't think uh, if he decided to retire that he'd ever tell anyone. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about Zach is going to have to come down to does he want to come back and play again? Um, where where will he fit in on that discussion? And honestly, it just, he has to weigh his options. I mean, the world, they made some moves as far as the starting rotation goes. So what would be the best opportunity for Zach to come back to pitch? And I think he has to weigh that. But if he does come back, I think it could be a good story for wherever he goes because he's so close to getting to 3,000 strikeouts, whether that's in Kansas City or somewhere else. All right, Jalen, we appreciate it. We're uh, obviously eager for baseball season. We got a little Super Bowl to get to first. When, who do the Royal? When, when is the Royals' first exhibition game, and when do they report? Our uh, pitchers and catchers report on February 14th. The first full squad workout is February 19th, and the first game of the um, Cactus League will be February 23rd against the Texas Rangers at the Pride Stadium. There you go. Thank you, Jalen. Always appreciate your time. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it so much, and I hope to talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Take care. Good guy. I like him. Of course. Almost feel like we're buddies.
You think? Had him on a few times. No, that's the second time. Thought it might have been three. Second time, but a good guy, and I enjoy reading his work. Uh, all right, time for a break. Hour number two straight ahead. Mike Furches will join us at about 325 or thereabouts as we talk some pop culture. Mike on the road right now in Tennessee. Guy's got I, – I, I admire some of the things he does. Just takes off. He's getting out there. Takes off. Kind of want to do that someday. We'll be back. <laughs> 